Welcome to the Vincentian Heritage Podcast, a selection of readings on Vincentian history, spirituality, and praxis to help sustain the members of the Vincentian family in our shared efforts to live out the mission, vision, and values of St. Vincent de Paul. This episode is a reading entitled The Vincentian Question, published in 2006. It is read by the author, Rev. Edward R. Udovic. In January 1617, Vincent de Paul, serving as chaplain to the powerful Gandhi family, was traveling with Madame Marguerite de Silly de Gandhi and her extensive household as she visited the family estates in the province of Picardy. While in Picardy, they always resided at the family chateau in the tiny hamlet of Fulville. On the feast of the conversion of St. Paul, January 25th, Vincent de Paul climbed into the pulpit in the parish church of Fulville and preached a sermon that is rightly regarded as the genesis of all Vincentian works to follow, down to our own time. How did he come to be standing in that pulpit? What did he say on that day? Madame de Gondi and her husband, Philippe Emmanuel de Gondi, General of the Galleys, Duc de Reyes, Comte de Joigny, Peer of France, belonged to an influential noble family of Florentine origins. From 1589 to 1662, for example, Members of the family served successively as the bishops and archbishops of Paris. At the dawn of the 17th century, the Gondis were among those who supported the nascent reform of the French Catholic Church. They were members of the small circle of nobles and clerics in Paris, around which the French school of spirituality was emerging to create the now-fabled L'Age d'Or, or Age of Gold. Striking figures such as Pierre de Berulle, Madame Macarie, Michel de Meriac, Francis de Sales, Jane Francis de Chantal, Cardinal de Rochefoucauld, Jean-Jacques Collier, Benedict of Canfield, Louise de Meriac, and many others were all contemporaries who knew or who were often related to each other. While rejecting the strident theological critiques of the Protestant reformers, the Council of Trent had admitted that the Catholic Church was in grave need of systematic moral and spiritual reform. The disciplinary decrees of that famous council laid out a broad blueprint for the Catholic Reformation, or Counter-Reformation. The conciliar decrees were accompanied by a remarkable spiritual renewal or reawakening that swept the Catholic Church and which now was poised to sweep the Church in France. The reform of the French Catholic Church had lagged far behind almost every other area of Catholic Europe. The long French wars of religion the civil war over the succession of the Bourbons in the person of the convert Henry IV, and the general resistance from entrenched special interests had long delayed the cause of meaningful reform. Yet, as the new century began, the party of the devot, or the devout ones, were successful in implementing the Tridentine reforms and strengthening the Gallican Church as an integral part of the Bourbons dynasty's successful plan to unite and revitalize France, making it the preeminent Catholic power on the continent. Broadly speaking, this Tridentine spiritual renewal was Christocentric in nature. This was especially true of the strain called devout humanism that captured the heart of Vincent de Paul and his compatriots. The devout took their identity as baptized Christians very seriously. They believed that discipleship ultimately was a matter of living, of choosing with God's grace and in accordance with God's providential will to live one's daily life, whether you were a noble or a peasant, in a way that mirrored that of Jesus Christ. For the devot, orthodoxy, 
or right belief mattered little if it was not expressed by orthopraxis or right living in one's relationships with God and one's neighbor. Christ's preaching of the kingdom of God became for the devoe the standard by which all things were to be judged. They looked critically at themselves and at the world around them, and then judged all they saw in light of the spiritual ideal they had accepted as normative. They committed themselves to act upon what they saw as a matter of conscience. They accepted the responsibility to do something. As Madame de Gondi's keen eyes assessed the state of her family's estates, her assessment was not just made from the perspective of financial considerations. She believed the spiritual welfare of the people on the family lands was her and her husband's personal responsibility before God. Her assessment was therefore also spiritual. She knew from her own experience that the clergy of the countryside were ill-trained. She had told Vincent the story of the country priest who had once heard her confession, but was so ignorant that he did not even know the formula of absolution. There was also the recent incident of the peasant in the town of Gan, who had told her of the tremendous healing and peace he had experienced from confessing to Vincent all the sins of his past life in the face of death and his impending judgment. Undoubtedly, there were many more examples of the spiritual abandonment experienced by the poor country people that were witnessed by Madame de Gondi, and which weighed heavily upon her and Vincent's consciences. At the end of January 1617, Madame de Gondi turned to Vincent and asked what I describe as being the Vincentian question. What must be done? Meaning, what must be done about the spiritual abandonment and the poverty that we see around us, and which we know is so far from the kingdom of God preached by Jesus Christ? This was not a rhetorical question. From a spiritual perspective, it was echoing the presumed question that Christ himself would ask, confronted with the same situation. Also, implicit in this question were further questions inviting personal and corporate responsibility. As a disciple of Christ, what must I do? As a disciple of Christ, what must you do? As disciples of Christ and as members of his church, what must we do? Now, in the short term, the answer to this question posed by Madame de Gondi was the sermon that Vincent de Paul preached at Fulville on the subject of the necessity of general confession. This sermon probably took place within the context of a parish mission or revival. The enthusiastic response of the people who crowded the small country church gave Madame de Gondi and Monsieur Vincent a clue that they were on to something in what they had chosen to do in response to answering the question of what must be done. Later in 1617, temporarily absent from the Gondi service, Vincent was serving as pastor in Châtillon-le-Dôme in the Archdiocese of Lyon. One Sunday, as he was vesting for Mass, he was told of a family in the countryside where everyone was sick and in need of immediate assistance. Vincent mentioned the situation in passing at the time of his sermon. After Mass, as he walked from the village to visit the family, he encountered a long line of women from the parish, spontaneously going to visit the family, bringing them food, linens, and other things that they might need. He immediately recognized that simply by mentioning the situation in his sermon, he had implicitly posed the question, what must be done? He now saw how many people had taken personal responsibility to answer the question, what must I do? Still later, for example, in 1629, Vincent de Paul confronted problems facing the parish-based confraternities of charity 
that had been established by the congregation of the mission in the course of their parish renewal ministry. Some of these groups had either lost their earlier fervor, were experiencing crises of leadership or crises of resources. Because of this, care of the poor and sick in these parishes had suffered. In this instant, Vincent de Paul turned to Louise de Marillac, described the situation, and posed the question, what must be done? As her answer to this question, Louise de Marillac took to the road to visit each of these confraternities to do what she could to help restore their effectiveness. In Vincent's mind, the only possible answer to the Vincentian question of what must be done was that God's will must be done at all times and in all things. Vincent said that it was his faith and his experience that God ordinarily revealed his will through everyday events. Therefore, in order to answer the Vincentian question, Vincent de Paul developed a very careful process of prayerful discernment of God's will. Indeed, something must be done. But exactly what should be done? How should it be done? When should it be done? What resources will be necessary to do it well? Where will the resources come from? Who should do it? In Vincent's mind, each of these questions had to be carefully and prayerfully answered before any action was decided upon. In their joint discernment regarding the foundation of the Daughters of Charity, Vincent de Paul and Louise de Marillac revealed the tension points that are always present in Vincentian discernment. Simply put, Vincent usually wanted to slow the discernment process down, and Louise usually wanted to speed it up. Slowing down the process always brings with it the danger of never deciding anything. There is always yet another I to dot, and yet another T to cross. Speeding up the discernment runs the risk of acting too precipitously before the full implications of the question are known. This discernment tug-of-war is resolved in the Vincentian tradition by the realization that in the end, what God asks of the participants is not a perfect decision, but only a reasonable one, arrived at, as Vincent notes, by using one's goodwill and best efforts. Further, if the Vincentian question is constantly being posed and constantly being answered as life unfolds according to divine providence, then the discernment used to answer the question is one that, in the end, does become habitual, lessening the tensions between deciding too soon and not deciding soon enough. The reasonable answer and timing is thus easier to pinpoint with greater precision. For both Vincent and Louise, once the question, what must I do, what must you do, what must we do, was reasonably answered, then the time to act, and to act boldly, and to act confidently, had come. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Incension Heritage Podcast. If you have any questions, please send them to mission.depaul at gmail.com. Be sure to check out all the other Vincentian family resources on our website, mission.depaul.edu.